Welcome to episode 19 of the Collabcast. 19. A podcast about pop culture and social commentary from an Asian American perspective. Although this week we've been Emmett Stoned. So I'm your host, <laughs> Chaz McTavern. <laughs> along with my co-host. Barbara McPherson. I thought your name was Tennifer. Tennifer. Barbara Tennifer McPherson. We've taken over this podcast, so now Because we're we're using our the names that we would be cast as. Yeah. Higher ups told us that, you know, no one wants to listen to two Asian people talk about stuff. So Minji Ching, what kind of name is that? <laughs> you speak English? Just kidding. It's me, Marvin Yoy, along with my co-host, Minji Chang. Hi, guys. How's it going? It's been quite a week in Asian American media. It's uh, one after another. Wow. So, before we get into uh, the biz, word. it's been a, quite a busy week for the both of we, We've been... It's actually a nice break to be sitting yeah, here. Yeah. I mean, we said, we said last week that, you know, APAM was really busy, but then June hasn't been letting up and hasn't let up yet. It shan't. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Yeah. I was just at a musical last night. How'd it go? I'm sad I missed it. The Waterfall it. Musical playing at the Pasadena Playhouse. It's a, um, it's a musical based on a Thai story um, mm-hmm. featuring an almost all Asian American or Asian cast. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. There's only one non-person of color on the entire cast. The girl, the right? Yeah. The love interest? Yeah. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a good reversal of the typical, you know, But who wants ratio. to watch that? Well, apparently a lot of them, because Pasadena Playhouse... Um, it's been around for a long time. I actually volunteered there as a high school kid um, to usher there. But the clientele is all, you know, kind of older theater goers. Mm-hmm. And they, they they all seem to like it. Good. Yeah. Well, I honestly feel like that's a generational thing, too. And not to be all ageist. And I'm I'm really, like, I work with so many young people. And we get to work with a lot of younger generation people. So I'm not a younger generation hater. But realistically, broadly speaking... A lot of the younger generation, including my own generation, they're not so super big on on theater. Um, I feel like because it, it was this really like old kind of old fashioned way of spending your Friday Saturday nights, right? Go to the theater was a big thing. Broadway's always been a big thing. Yeah. But I wonder how do we how can we make that sexy again? Because I'm a huge fan of plays in theater, but if it came down to that versus watching Mad Max. Everyone's going to watch Mad Max, right? How can we make plays sexier more? Well, that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of people probably don't know because a lot of people haven't been to theater in a while. But like, if it, we don't go, it's going to die. I mean, but theater's been catching, like, been keeping up with technology. That's good. I mean, you look at things like the um, Cirque du Soleil productions in Vegas, and that's kind of just a glimpse of like how technology and theatrical production go together. But then, you know, last night at the uh, turn off your phone during the podcast. Sorry, I apologize. How rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So last night at the theater. So, you know, nowadays there's a lot of technology and background setup, like productions. Like at last night's musical, they used a lot of projections onto screens, different shapes of screens. They had big, like a facade of a train station. That's awesome. And like smoke and things like that. And like it looked really, really modern, even though it was like mm-hmm. on a stage. That's and, you know, awesome. Um, but it's been a really great time for Asian musicals in the Los the Angeles Tony areas. Awards. Yeah, there's that. Um, the East West Player is the oldest Asian American theater in the United States. They, they're putting on production of the Who's Tommy with a mostly Asian American cast. Yeah. That's been extended to the end of June. So if you guys are in LA, you should definitely check it out. And now, you know, the Pasadena Playhouse has a production of Waterfall, which is, it's a story set in Tokyo and in Bangkok during the 1930s, like pre-World War II 
um, Asia and tells a story. It's a, you know, it's a melodramatic story about love and whatever, but the themes and just the way that they capture kind of the the feelings of the times, it's, it's, it was really good. I liked it a lot. So you guys should all go check it out. Um, it's playing. Well, it opened um, on Sunday and it's going to go for a while. So Nice. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to go check it out. So the the actress who won the Tony Award, 2015 Tony Award for Best Performance by an Actress in a Featured Role in a Musical, it was for The King and I as Ruthie and Miles, mm. which is so dope. Yeah. The King and I actually is, um, it's a pretty divisive uh, play like in, terms of in the Asian American circles just because it's, it's a play of a set in Asia, but a lot of times the king is cast as like by like, they get the Emma Stone it. They cast a, a white dude or a non-Asian for that role, even though there's tons of qualified musical theater actors of Asian descent that can play. Because no one wants to see them, Marvin, because they are so completely unengaging and untalented <laughs> and just subpar. Why on earth would we ever cast them? It makes no sense. It doesn't, really. But when it does Getting happen, mad you know. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Well, congratulations to... Ruthie Ann Miles. Yeah, for winning that. Um, Get it, girl. It's uh, it's always good to have people win awards because then we can all all share it and say, "See, we can be good." I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet this directly to her. But see, that's that's the dilemma that a lot of people are facing. Like they're like, I don't need validation for blah blah blah. I don't need validation from white people or whoever, right? Like whoever the the machine is saying that I am good. It's all very paradoxical because you. At the end of the day, are still seeking that validation. If someone were to go mainstream, there may be some people who are a little bit jealous or bitter or or just really just not of the mainstream mindset that they would be, oh, God, who cares? You're a sellout. Like, good for you, blah, blah, blah. But if it were them, would you be like, wow, well, this is really resonating <laughs> with the greater community, like, you know, beyond my yeah. niche or whatever. I think, again, it's all kind of perspective driven. Like if you're going to look at it that way, then it is so. But it, there's always another side to it. Yeah. I mean, well, it's so. not just that. It's just it's also the more people that are out in the mainstream, the more evidence we have that putting Asian in front of people in like a actor audience relationship style i don't know what i'm saying but putting an asian american up there on stage or on screen isn't going to tank your sales you know it might actually sell more our community is becoming more and more supportive of these things like for instance um you know when, when i look at women's world cups going on right now right it's a big deal kind of not a lot of people are excited about it but they play really good soccer and then the first thing i did was go through the american roster to see if there's any asian americans on it mm-hmm. you know because for some reason that will if there are, it makes me more interested in cheering them on for some reason. Good for you. I don't know. But it's the same way with, you know, like Fresh Out the Boat or even like TV shows where, you know, John Cho is on or whatever. Like, you know, if there's an Asian American on there, like there's people are more likely to tune in or Asian Americans are more likely to tune in, I think. Possibly. Right? I don't know. I um, mean, again, it kind of like for me, because I don't know, I, it's like any other person out there, any consumer, any member of society. We can't know everything that's going on out there. Right. Yeah. Are people actually interested in Asian? Because like, here's my thing with collaboration, too. I'm passionate about it. But like there are certain things that brought me in to get hooked in the first place, which largely was like the whole Asian American thing. There's a lot of people out there who don't give a crap about the Asian American thing. There's a lot of people who are still grappling with that whole identity thing right. where a lot of them don't even want to like acknowledge themselves of Asian American. I get that because 
you know, it's still something that that gets churned in my head every yeah. so often. And collab helped that open me up to that. But like, how do you then engage somebody or have them care about that when they give no craps about it? Well, I guess my point originally was more, like you said, selling out and being like in mainstream. Mm-hmm. It puts you on stage and it kind of adds to because we've talked about this before. In the end, productions, anything like the artistic world, like um, not the artistic world, but the theater world, the, the business of entertainment is to make money. Right. Right. And to stay so, sustainable. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, because entertainment's becoming so commoditized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder to make money. And so people in charge are so afraid of not making money that they play it safe. Right. And that's how we get but ironically, Emma Stone. Yeah. You know? But ironically, and then playing it safe, they're raising all other kinds of BS that's mm-hmm. enraging a pretty large community out there. <laughs> and in that way, I'm really, you know, to be honest, the internet gives me a headache half the time just because of all the things. Again, on certain days, I, I feel much more forgiving or like accepting of all the stuff that's on the internet. And some days I'm just like so overwhelmed and kind of grossed out by it because you think about it from one like how and i've said this before in podcasts like how something so stupid or trivial can get so much attention and go viral and that that in and of itself has become this like cultural phenomenon of our generation right because it never existed before how certain things can go viral and become so relevant and so well known and so well researched and then all these really important things Right. They get marginalized because they're just not sexy and they're not there's no hot person, guy or girl attached to it. No big celebrity. Right. It's like and and you watch all that kind of drift into oblivion and never get mm-hmm. acknowledgement for that unless you go out and you dig for it. It's it's a little frustrating. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I feel that with Asian American issues, because like, again, it's become something so important to me. But I'll go out there and with friends who are really supportive and say, oh, like, that's so good that you work on that and I appreciate that and I see all these people within our circles who work their butts off to like make sure that these things move forward and that we're spoken for that we're represented everyone else gets kind of reap the benefits off and they don't care and you're like why why don't you care this affects you this is part of you know your representation it's not just me yeah and it's it gets maddening all of that to me I'm seeing I'm going on like multiple tangents but to me in my head all of it gets really frustrating and i think the that that lack of validation from the very people that you're trying to help is discouraging like not to be a debbie downer but that's just the truth is that it gets really discouraging that we care so passionately it's not like you have to care what i care about but like i'm caring about something that benefits all of us and you not caring brings me down on top of the fact that you have the people that you're not really trying to impact they all don't give a crap about you either right mm. so you just feel alone <laughs> welcome to the podcast today guys let's let's have minji cry yeah um didn't expect that to go down that route today but um but we're still working that is my <laughs> always my point at the end of the day is that there's still people working on it yeah. and there's still people making a big deal about it and i don't care really if it annoys a lot of people at the end of the day because it's what makes a difference right like the pe- the nerds of color that wrote the Emma Stone, that was hilarious yeah and if they didn't make a big deal about it then who else would well let's get into that right quick because there was that nerds of color article but it's really covering something that like 
This was um this was something that came out end of last week. I think is the casting announcements for The Martian. A um, I think his name is Andy Weir novel that's quite popular. It's like I think um, Adam Savage of uh, MythBusters says one of his favorite novels of all time. It's like a really big you know science fiction kind of epic, kind of like a science fiction. Um, what's that movie with Tom Hanks when he gets lost in the island? Castaway. Castaway. It's Castaway, but in Mars, starring um. <laughs> well, it could actually just be called um. Um, I can't remember names today. What was that big Chris Nolan movie that everyone loved except for you? Yeah, Interstellar. Um, <laughs> Interstellar Part Two because it stars Matt Damon and Jessica Chastain. Right. <laughs> and you know, it has great, great cast. You know, Kate Mara from uh, House of Cards, Donald She's Glover cool. from Community, her. Michael Pena. Um, nice. Sean Bean from first season of uh, Game of Thrones. Cool. Yeah. Um, That's quite a cast. Yeah. And then there's these three characters, though, in the novel that are written as Asian American or Asian, of Asian descent. There's multiple, I heard. Yeah. A character named Nindy Park, a scientist named Vanette Kapoor, and another character simply named Ryoko. And all three of these parts were given to, uh, well, Mindy Park, who... You can assume is a Korean American character was given to a, a Caucasian actress. Mm-hmm. Um, the part of Vanessa Kapoor, an Indian character, was given to um, Chitwali Ejafor, who I love. And um, character Ryoko was Indian. given to a, I guess, a half Indian, half British actress. Mm-hmm. Um, all three, you can argue, are ethnically miscast, right? You um, might say. I mean, some my people might say Park could also be a Caucasian name. There but are. There are non-Asian parks out there, yes. Yeah, Most of them are parks, I want to say, with an S. But anyways. There could be a park. Yeah. I will but, not argue that. Um, I haven't read the book, but people are telling me that the character in the novel is specifically Asian. Mm-hmm. You know, an Indian man played by a black man. I think that's, you know, close enough, I guess, is what the casting directors probably thought. <laughs> like, Or they really wanted Chiwele there, but couldn't be bothered to change the name of an Indian British as a Japanese character named Ryoko. Yeah. Okay, everyone's going to get on a hissy fit and be like, you know what? There could be an Indian British person living in Japan and have a Japanese name. Great, but like 99.9% of the rest of the population that, ha- okay, 99.9% of anyone named Ryoko, what are they going to look like? A Japanese chick. <laughs> they're going to look They're going to look Asian. Yeah. And, and Venkat Kapoor is going to look Indian. He's not going to look like... Chiwetel. Love him. I love him. He's an amazing actor. What did, ch- he, did they call him Chiwetel? Chiwetel. I always like Chiwetel. mispronounce his name because like, I don't know. You're not good at names today. It's okay. I'm also we'll not looking review. at the actual yeah. you know, casting. I but should he's put them an in my incredible notes. actor. He's great. He was but, in Firefly. Not Firefly. Serenity. But is he Indian? No. Like, I'm... Ugh. Again, maybe I'm one of those bizarre people that I believe that the story... He's British, right? British. He's British. British. Um... I think story (laughs) stories are told so much better when you have truth to them. Yeah. Truth comes from you call someone Ryoko and they look like one. It doesn't distract you from because you're sitting there going, what the hell is her name Ryoko? Is that Ryoko from India? Like, because you can't tell. I'm saying. Most people don't really care that a Japanese name is given to a non-Japanese person right so if you don't care fine I'm not here to convince you to care but I'm telling you I do yeah I care and more and more people care about this and like it just 
there was a character named Minji Chang and she was not Asian, I would throw (laughs) a huge fit. I would throw a huge fit. And this is just terrible timing because it just comes right after Emma Stone. Okay, Emma stoned well, herself in em- Aloha. You know, <laughs> it's a really, it's kind of a sad but funny hashtag, but um, and it's gonna become a thing. But okay, the whole Cameron Crowe apologizing and saying that like, oh, the whole point of the story. I'm sorry, but okay, genetically speaking, we're gonna get into biophysics here. When you have a, a half, any partial Asian descent person, right? I'm going into genetics because I studied this. <laughs> Brown eyes are dominant. I don't care who you mix it with, like, and I think there are rare cases when it doesn't work that way. Very rare, but any colored eye is is uh, recessive. Recessive. Mm-hmm. I recessive. studied biology too. Exactly by biology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did it, you say? Bi- biology. Okay, I thought you said it different, right? So I'm saying, should Emma Stone have played this like real? And it was for real. And there's, I'm sure there. Are, I, I've met tons of like half or part Asian people that you could not tell that they're part Asian. That's majority of the time they have brown eyes at the very least. So like, just I'm sorry, just do your homework, man. There's not going to be a redheaded, blue-eyed girl that's walking around saying I'm I'm half Asian. Like it just. You're asking too much for these Hollywood executives. I know I'm asking. All for they too see much. are numbers and dollar signs, and yes or no, no to the Asian casting, yes to this white lady everyone likes. It's kind of this. So it's funny that this also happens with Ridley Scott, who has already come under fire for his casting of, you know, white dudes to play Egyptians in Exodus, <laughs> right? With eyeliner. Yeah. And then, you know, his, you know, and, you know, he also reacted to those criticisms saying like, you know, I wanted to make this film. There is no way I could have gotten the budget to make this film if I had casted so-and-so Mohammed from Egypt. Right. I can't you mount know? a film of this budget where I have to rely on tax rebates in Spain and say that my lead actor is Mohammed so-and-so from such-and-such. I'm just not going to get it financed, so the question doesn't even come up. Yeah. That was directly quoted from him. So, you know, follow the money. It always goes back to the business of making films. And, you know, for Ridley Scott, casting people is a means to sell more movie tickets at the end. Right? Like, he wants good actors, but he also wants actors that are marketable. Mm-hmm. And marketable right now is still not Asian, apparently. Well, or, wh- you know? okay, I'm just saying, like in the white people world, yeah, that are complaining, they're complaining that all the Brits and the Australians are taking. It's funny because I thought of Warrior because I thought of Noah and I thought of what's his name. Um, um, why am I? I can't have <laughs> do names right now either. Spell it out. What? No. Joel Egerton, love him, mm. but him and Tom Hardy played the two brothers in in Warrior, which is about two like you know Midwest brothers <laughs> doing you know in the whole MMA fighting yeah. world, and it's like a, it's a freaking Brit and an Aussie playing like, and they're they're getting up and if you're getting in up in arms about that, then how do you feel like how do you think somebody who, who is from another race and then is very clearly distinctively featured. Color, hair, everything different looking than what's on screen. This is like likening getting an Asian. It's like getting Bobby Lee to play Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Like it doesn't make sense. Abraham Lincoln was a tall white dude from America, from Illinois. You got it like, and no. And what's his name? Yeah, uh, but- Daniel Day-Lewis. Is he not even American? <laughs> is he British? He's amazing. I, I think he's American. Danny Lewis. He's played so many different characters. I lose yeah. track. But do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is this is what my friend who like my friend Eddie Hong. Shout out to Eddie who who's always one of my main sources. He's the one I saw this uh, 
article because of him and he he always brings up these different issues and yeah and i think there's some people who are like god again 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 but yeah exactly again <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were i was shared this article from our one of our twitter fans um david chang who i think also wrote to us once an email mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like you look at it and you're like yeah like again mm-hmm. you know it's to the point where it's like it's ridiculous right because we're, we're we were talking about last time how like there are act viable actors out there that have been you know hustling for years like wouldn't you (laughs) we're not desirable unless we're in a geisha costume i.e lucy Liu and charlie's angels (laughs) that's what they want to see her in a chinese dress with her boobs popping out doing massage no disrespect to lucy though she's a great actress but you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. these are the rules and yes there is there are and i hear this in cast i had an audition yesterday for a commercial for an nfl promo and i talked to my my partner who i was actually rehearsing with to do lines to audition for this commercial he works in casting himself he's worked in casting for 8 years and he said and he's uh, half japanese half white mm-hmm. he looks mexican though he says that he's like and you wouldn't be able to tell but like he it's just saying he's like they're always going to go with the white people i haven't seen it because i told him i was like oh good for you i heard that ethnically ambiguous is really up and coming <laughs> i said that to his face because that's what i've been hearing right because that's what my one of the agents that i met with said they're like oh it's good that you're asian because they are looking for that they right mm-hmm. and, and I, I i applauded him and he's like i've been doing this shit for eight years and he's like i still haven't seen whatever it is that you're what you're saying i've heard and I haven't seen it happen. And I work in casting. And I see when it comes to the client, you know, 99% yeah. of the time, they're going to go with the white people. Because they look at them and say they're relatable. Well, We're not relatable. They, in terms of your they, quote unquote, they is probably like Samsung. The people putting up the money. And like East West Bank. And the people, like the businesses that are specifically targeting Asian, you know, markets. Or like can... No, I'm no. What I'm saying, he's they said he was saying that they will always choose white people, and they is not Samsung. They is NFL. No, they I'm, saying, is, I'm, I'm saying you're they, the they that your casting director is telling you about why it's good that you're Asian. It, no casting director said that to me. That's what agents said to me. Okay. They said, "Oh, they're looking specifically." Yeah, I'm saying. I think their they is probably like Samsung. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And, yes, like, yes. Commercials that are going to play in China. That are going to go to China. Right. Yeah. Yay! I mean, yeah, it's a good thing. Okay, I'm not complaining. Here's here's that. That double-edged sword thing. Am I going to turn that job down? Hell no. Because I want to get paid so that I can invest further into this career, which takes a lot of money to do, mm-hmm. right? And and further my ability to hopefully then end up in better paying jobs, better roles, whatever. Is that going to happen? <laughs> that is TVD. Yeah. But then, so, I mean, you said something interesting to me, like after you saw that uh, Emma Stone article, I'm like saying like, this makes you want to like, dive into your acting like 1000% to like fix this um then, that sounds and, so arrogant I was just really heated well that got me thinking like is like so I was reading some reactions to the articles it's, it's all over Facebook because of the circles we run in and um Katie Tatara a um, comedian that um has performed a couple collaboration shows hilarious like half Japanese dude um was saying that like are more actors really the solution because if you have more actors entering then you'll just have more actors not getting roles mm-hmm. um so is it writing? Is it? I mean, it's obviously getting more more Asian Americans into even the business of it, right? And we're seeing that, like you know, um, ABC's casting director is an Asian lady. I forgot her name. Cool, but you know, no, like they're more doing people, diversity like, showcases yeah. like CBS, ABC. They do it every year. 
But that's not just for race. It's also for like for more women and right. for LGBTQ and things like that. But I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing to have the talent there. And we, we know the talent is there and is ready for, you know, their chance to show that they can do it. But do we have to specifically write for those? Like, you know, that's a question. Like mark. You're I saying don't know. like, you know, because you're saying like, you know, characters that are written with no specific race in mind mm-hmm. are go- typically going to go to the white actors. Right. Because of marketability because of relatability relatability right yeah we're a minority and i don't disregard that and i i i'm not look i'm not saying that they need to create more asian characters just for the sake of creating more asian characters i'm saying that there are a lot of interesting stories that are not being considered right Mm -hmm. and for me there's no way to rightfully say this is why that's not happening I don't know if the talent's there. I've seen a lot of talented people in my circle, but I also know for any given part, right, there are thousands of submissions for any part, right? So if it's just for a girl in my age range, say that is completely colorblind. I'm up against average three to 4,000 girls for one role, right? So the competition's already fierce. What are they looking for? There's a lot of different things that come into the casting, right? It's not just like, oh, can you act? Do you fit with all the other people that you're acting with? Does your personality vibe with them? Like all these different things, right? So given all of that, I mean, it really, acting in general is a lottery. There are thousands of people who are pursuing it. And then to get, the thing that I'm like upset about is that if this particular character in this particular story is meant to be an Asian American person, then A, go out of your way to find somebody to fill that role because they are there. And if you say that there aren't, you are, full of crap right and if you're not then do the decent thing and change the name at least because it's just adding insult to injury i think that it's super disrespectful to to keep to keep an indian name to 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 then cast you know a black person to do and then to somehow try to equate that and justify it to the rest like we're all so stupid that we can't notice that yeah I feel like it's just it's disrespectful to the the to the community that you are not casting that you went and you know consciously chose not to cast. Fine, that was your decision. Then change the name because there is a lot in a name. There are a yeah. lot of ethnic. Like Minji Chang is a very ethnic <laughs> name. So, so that makes sense. But then I think the casting directors here had their kind of hands tied just because they're adapting such a popular novel. Any changes to the characters are going to be met with resistance. But it's also people love the characters. So that's why, like, um, it's the same thing with the Hunger Games, right? Hunger Games that's is totally true. whitewashed, right? The, <laughs> we're we're and, not even part of the people dying. <laughs> yeah. But there then, was the one Asian guy. No, but then, like, say, like, even when they do cast, like, according to the book, right? Like, the character of Rue from the first Hunger Games is supposed to be like a dark skin, like kind of ethnic looking person. And they casted a black actress and then people got up in arms because apparently white, you know, like people thought that, well, I, th- I always read her as white. So like, I don't like this. Did you hear about this? No. Yeah. People were up in arms that they, they about they, Rue. Yeah. About her being black. Oh my God. You know, I'm sorry guys. Today I'm like in a particularly angry podcast mode. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, there's always going to be, um, there's always going to be backlash, but I think, you know, because the Martian is such a like, it's a very, 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 very popular. Yeah, no, um, that novel. totally does so that apply. I get they're that. also they also no, I'm saying that like, no matter what they did, people are going to watch that movie. You know, it's right. Matt Damon, it's you know, really Scott, it's a big epic. Like, they probably already had you know like 
we're expecting backlash and like say, well, we can get through this because this movie is going to make billions of dollars anyways. Like you're not going to not watch the movie, you know, even if I like, watch it. even a bunch of us aren't like actively say like, we're not going to watch this because of your whitewashing casting. There's going to be enough people in like middle yeah, America to watch totally it to like true. totally make their money back, you know, and even in like Asia, like if this movie goes to China, like I don't think they don't have the con the connection between the names and the characters because it'll all be subtitles or dubbed. So like, but then here's my question back to you. Then, if we are so irrelevant, and it's true, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, and I agree that like my statement of like you should change the names, of course, like for something like The Martian, where it's already a book, it's already established, and you know, I get it. They're not gonna, of course, they will not change the names. I'm just kind of again me being pie in the sky, ridiculous, thinking like, oh my god, if people actually cared. Um, but okay, so then if Asian Americans are so irrelevant, or if we are so, or for that that whole concept is so minuscule in comparison to the dollars that they're seeking and the you know acceptance in in box office sales right Mm -hmm. then for me that but that brings me back to the cameron crow thing like he publicly apologized on like all these media outlets to the asian community because it did raise enough of a stink yeah about this casting issue that the director so to me, yeah, that's to me a sign like it does matter and it will make a difference. And if, uh, again, I don't think Cameron Crowe was out there to viciously attack Asian American people. I don't think, again, a majority, but that's also what kind of hurts is that we're so irrelevant that you're not <laughs> I mean, going to go I mean, that far. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it's, it is a big deal, but in terms of like decision making, like them, like, like you just go back to the really Scott statements that like in the end, like they did it because they wanted the film to be successful. But Cameron Crowe also went out and publicly apologized for casting Emma Stone. So, so well, I'm saying his, that his movie that totally sucked. Yes. Also. It was like 18%. Yeah. But I'm saying but for somebody in Hollywood to take that kind of a public statement, I think again, I will take that as not a win, but I mean it it changes the conversation. It yeah. it was out there, it was public and whether people agree with that apology or not, I don't even know if I agree with like that being necessary. Because I didn't watch the freaking movie because well, I didn't want to because of all of this stuff. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to watch this. I mean, I didn't read the apology, but it just, it, you mean, you have to make a statement. And so some people make a statement about, you know, oh, well, you know, we'll be, it's always we'll, we'll do better in the future. Or like, it's either we have no choice or we'll do better. Right. That's like PR 101, getting in front of like be, being yes. apologetic. Because, you know, if you take the stance that we did nothing wrong, then you're you're inviting a sh- like a shit storm of of like media coverage, yes, you know? but but what I'm saying is the fact that this was an issue that did reach mainstream yeah. conversation makes a difference. Whether or not people are going to decide to cast differently based on that, hopefully that they will. Mm-hmm. But even if it doesn't, it's still in their embedded in their brain. We hope. Inception, <laughs> you know, it's there, and maybe. With this Martian thing, who knows? I mean, this is just ridiculous. I again, I sometimes want to just like avoid it. Part of me is just like <laughs> I don't want to even acknowledge this. This is so annoying and stupid. Well, with the Martian, it's also too late. The yeah. film's already done. Oh, it's done. You know, but I'm saying, and so was Aloha. Like when we found out about this whole thing. Yeah. But again, it's the re- what's the reaction from the public? Do people care? And I'm sure that there are people out there who are not Asian American who also cared about that too. Because in general, Hollywood has lost so much credibility. For so long, right? That's why they call it. That's why Hollywood is a term. Hollywood is equated. No offense, and this like really could be screwing me over, but Hollywood is equated to garbage at this point, like just inauthentic or 
inaccurate, historically inaccurate, scientifically inaccurate. Like people will break down all the sci-fi stuff. It doesn't even make sense, right? Oh, yeah. Because you got Neil deGrasse Tyson watching Gravity and like making notes like that's not true. Yeah, because you're just distracted by sex and violence and explosions and blah, 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 right? So I don't know. I still I still believe in that people who want to create great art, they really do want to tell a good story. They want to get the best actors to fulfill that role. And they want to be able to make enough money so that they can yeah. do it again. Yeah. So it's a dilemma. And but... I mean, we have a lot of people doing it. Like just recently, you know, um, Wang Fu released their film. You know, it's not wide, but you know, it's on VOD. It's out there for people to watch. You on know, Vimeo. People doing stuff. Yeah. Um, awesome Asian bad guys from um, our friends from the National Film Society is finally coming out yeah. wide. You know they're being released on iTunes, Amazon, um, Xbox, and PS PlayStation. Like Advantageous is coming out on Netflix. Yeah, Advantageous is coming out on Netflix. That's a great movie. You guys should all watch that. It's 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 a it's a, it's a good movie. You should watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Soul no, Searching is coming out. You know, Soul Searching is um, coming out next week. Yeah. The LA Film Festival is going on right now, or like starting yeah. starting now. Is it just starting now? Yeah. Starting now, I mean, and crush the skull. Chris, our friend Chris, Chris Din is yeah. in that. You know, good for him. Yeah. A lot of people are putting out like feature films now, like from a... the community, and you know, whether or not they're or women. You know, yeah, like, I think like thirty um, advantageous, something percent. Advantageous is you know, directed by a, a female, Asian American female director. Their um, core cast is all Asian. Yeah, but. LA Film Festival again. That's it's not an Asian American film festival. They're acknowledging that there are a lot more people of color directing, writing, being part of like making the decisions and being in front of the camera as well. Yeah. I think like a third of them were by female directors, things like that. So, in that way, I really appreciate those those smaller film festivals existing and people really taking the time and the money and the yeah. effort to go out to watch these films because that is. Whether people think that it makes a huge difference in this giant Hollywood industry, it does make a difference because th- that gives the people who are making these films the opportunity to do it again. Like it yeah. matters a and, lot. Uh, you're being acknowledged, and you know you're being acknowledged in a way, in, in a place where people who you may not have been on their radar, you get on their radar. Right. I don't know. I think that it is really important. You know, I actually saw the whole L.A. Film Festival breakdown, that whole demographic breakdown, because Chris Dins mm-hmm. shared it. And he said, if you guys are upset about The Martian or if you guys are upset about Aloha or whatever, this is why you got to go to these film festivals. Right. Yeah. And for me, it's something that I already enjoy. I already enjoy film. The thing that I think when 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 you're like a blockbuster hit, it's kind of it's kind of surpassing a certain level of saying these people got all this money because they're really good at what they do. So you kind of have a higher expectation of this is a really good film. And I think the that's what you expect when it's like becomes a full budget feature film that's funded and has millions of dollars behind it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But everyone has to start somewhere and there's so many good films that are that can be created on like a zero like a really minimal budget and that have really great yeah. actors and great story. Sometimes that are even better because you don't have the distraction of like celebrities. To be honest, when I see celebrities, sometimes now it's like I follow them on Instagram or I know so much about them personally as people that I'm not, I'm like a little bit distracted from their acting or them being the character. But anyway, that's just me. Um, but like there's so many great projects out there that need that support that could really use your $15 to get well, the I mean, emotional and financial support to say, hey, I could make another one of these. That's the thing with you know filmmaking. It's like, most people making films aren't blockbuster filmmakers. They're not making temples. They're making stories that are personal to them or that they they want to show 
they get people to believe in their vision and fund them and like they pay their actors they pay their cast most of the times mm-hmm. and then but then the more they get to do it the more better they get and the more better <laughs> well i mean the better they get whatever um and then basically then you start getting people with credibility pitching films to bigger and bigger decision makers right and then eventually we get people into the system that you know when they see an asian name they probably don't the first reaction isn't oh we have to get this white person to play that because no one wants to see asians like oh i know this these great asian actors or these great right. mixing actors or right. these great you know every connection is a, th- a thing you know? you know it's an opportunity i don't know i've heard i've heard different arguments of like oh i don't care if i ever get mainstream if steven spielberg called you up and said hey i want to work on a project with you <laughs> would you say no <laughs> or would you not consider it <laughs> like no you're part of the machine but i mean looking no. <laughs> looking at this from like a like a management hr standpoint you know a lot of these decisions are made by you know people from another generation mm-hmm. you know and you know in, in general in business right now we're kind of you know millennials get a bad rap about like you know being wishy-washy or being like you know overly idealistic but at the same time because the last generation of boomers right now are taking so long to retire like you know like (laughs) get out of here already the thing is like people of our generation people the directors we talk to you know um, people like dave boyle who makes a lot of really great films that you know tell you know that he's very active in multi-ethnic casting and things like that we're not getting to those higher positions yet because we're still the old people are still there, right? So, I mean, they're... Can you retire <laughs> I'm not saying already? it's, like, it's a matter of time. I'm saying, like, you know, um, there are new voices that are, that are like, gestating right now. I they mean, are. Like, you know? And everyone's got to pay their dues, too. And so, for me, I was, it's kind of... They're saying, like, the, that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Mm-hmm. You have to be prepared. And that's why, for me, you know, I think people might think differently. Give it... I feel like... Just we've been through so many different waves in entertainment, like how things suddenly got popularized and how so many things didn't. And everything kind of goes through its trend and its fad. But I think at the end of the day, you got to be really good at what you do. So even if you are popular at that moment or not, you still have to work on that craft. And I feel like that's a lot of who the people that we work with, like in terms of musicians, right? For collaboration, we work with so many different artists, musicians, comedians, you know, spoken word artists, dancers, like they just have to be ready so that when that that prime opportunity pops up, that they're ready to take it and that they're good and that they're skilled and available and all these things, right? And that's the issue, I think, when it comes to why we exist or part of the reason why we exist and the conversations that we've had with so many different artists. Like, oh yeah, I love this and this is something I want to do on the side. And I completely get that. And I think everybody, if you are artistically inclined, forever you should keep it going on the side. I think if it's just part of you. But if you have the drive to do this thing full time, it really takes more than just doing it on the side. You have to go full throttle. And that is what I think that then you you are gestating. You are putting in the work and the hours to be really, really, really good at what you do. So again, when the opportunity arises, when all those people have retired out of their roles, that you're ready to take it as producer, as musical coordinator, as the composer, mm-hmm. as whatever, right? Like, we need people ready to rumble. Yeah. Because those roles, yeah, eventually will be vacant, you know? And we want to be competitive. So it's it's a marathon, you yeah. know? And, and you never know when the opportunity is going to pop up. I say that a lot for, like, I want more people to go into casting. 
Like I talked to my friends who are like, oh, I'm not artistic. I'm not like talented. And I was like, well, that's a, that's no reason for you not to get in the entertainment industry. I was like, suddenly it's become a thing. I'm like, go into casting. Hmm. Go become casting director. Because again, it's those are gatekeepers. Yeah. They're the ones that say, hey, director. It's not the director who makes that call. It's the casting director. Yeah. So they're like, I don't know why. I just thought of Jess Boo for some reason right now. And Jess could be like, hey, here are all these people that you <laughs> Or our friend Jess has been hustling in the, you know, she's been working a lot with the production. She's, you no, know, she moved from D.C. to L.A. and just started hustling as, you know, PA, doing assistant work here and there. And, you know, that's kind of the traditional role. You know, you get involved in production and then you suddenly become a producer. I mean, that's the same you know, path that, like, our friend Christine Chen did or even a lot of our exactly. friends, so Nikki, um, Linda, like, producing their own stuff and then eventually they're producing other people's stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. Austin's doing that now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kicking butt. Yeah. So yeah, every project matters. That's why I, I, I say if you're going to do it and you have the interest in it, go, go a thousand percent. Same thing for actors. And I think that acting people, again, take seriously in different degrees. Yeah. So <laughs> again, go on. So hopefully, you know, Emma stoning might be a thing now, but hopefully, you know, it'll be less of a thing in the future. But <laughs> that sticks. That's kind of funny because I actually like Emma Stone as an I actress. I love Emma Stone. It's just, I think it's sad that she's associated with something negative. Yeah. But. Can we just call it Emma? I mean, yeah, Cameron Crowing doesn't sound as cool as Emma Stone because it has that kind of yeah. violent like, connotation to it. Yeah. Um, Poor girl. I love her. Yeah. Also, watch out when you search hashtag Emma Stone on Twitter because apparently it's also a, I guess it's a porn star. That has the same name, so oh, God. there's some porno pictures up there if you search Emma Stone. Hashtag, watch out for that. Brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. There's a there's a really big opportunity for Emma Stone coming up soon because the live action remake of Akira just got greenlit again by Warner Brothers. And for those of you who don't know, there's an on again, off again kind of Hollywood remake of a anime classic um, from I think the 80s or early 90s. But it's been attached to Keanu Reeves. It was attached to, I think, Chris Hemsworth or some other... Oh, Garrett Hedlund, dude from um, Sons of Anarchy and uh, Pacific Rim. We already know he's going to play the lead. Wait. Uh, Daredevil show or the... Yeah, it's being being headed by the showrunner of the Daredevil um, Netflix series. Wait, was this a joke or were they being serious about Karen Page playing Tetsuo? Oh, that's a... Is that a joke? That is a... Some dude, I forgot his name. Has, his Twitter name is... Um, yeah, he, in the wake of Emma Stoning, decided to take it upon himself to Emma Stone all future castings of characters. Oh, okay. So gotcha. it's a joke, but it's a pretty funny joke. Okay, because that was real. I was about to go on another rant. <laughs> I shall refrain. Well, I mean, the chances of... giving the history of this, um, this production, the chances of Emma Stoning is pretty high. But hopefully given the... Well, number one... If you're going to Emma Stone this, change the setting. Move it away from Neo Tokyo. Make it like, you know, Neo New York or something. Mm-hmm. And then change the names. Instead mm-hmm. of Kaneda, do like, I don't know, Keith Power or something. <laughs> um, or, you know, my name, Chaz McTavern. <laughs> How did you come up with that? I just... Chaz McTavern? It sounds like something from um, Cartoon Network. <laughs> sounds like a show. Chaz, whatever. Chaz. I just want, you know. Shut up, Chaz. <laughs> it's a very bro name. Yeah. Want no, to be Chad a is a little bit more bro. Chad. No, Chaz is like the, the cooler version of Chad. 
he's everything Chad is, except he has like, you know, slick back hair or something. I think I we know. need to turn this into your alter ego and we're going to take Chaz out on the town. I was going to do like a British accent, but I couldn't pull it together in time for a recording. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> JK, JK. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Emma Stoning. It's a thing. Is everyone sufficiently... Uh, Everyone had their fill of me being mad. <laughs> I don't even know if I made sense and all that. Well, I'm still sorting it out. It's hard to stay coherent and logical when you're so angry. <laughs> I've taken some deep breaths, Marvin. <laughs> I'm feeling calmer now. Are you really? <laughs> well, good that you're calm because now it's time for some listener emails. We actually got some emails last week. Nice. From some listeners. So. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening and listening in your thing, your uh, your thoughts and questions. First up is Lauren from San Francisco writes, Hi, Minji and Marvin. I'm not sure when you guys are going to record this week's podcast, but if you've already recorded it by the time you see this email, then maybe consider it for the next one. Um, so this is in response to um, our Emma Stoning discussion from, from last week. Okay. But um, M. Night Shyamalan, the man behind the Pan Last Airbender movie from five years ago, recently spoke out about how the reasoning for its flop was not his fault but the fault of the audience members for not understanding the material geared towards a younger audience. Say what? Parentheses. And if you've seen the movie, then you'll know that's not the case at all. Um, if you guys are up for it, do you think you can dwell on this topic? Other than that, keep up the good work. Thumbs up. Thank you, Lauren. So for some context, Last Airbender was a ad- adaptation of a Nickelodeon animated series that took place in a Asian-inspired world and then cast the, you know, white people to play all the characters, except for the bad guys who are all Indians. Um, and it was widely panned, not only because of the race. Like, I mean, it, it spawned the term hashtag race bending, which was Emma Stone before Emma Stone was a hashtag. <laughs> okay. Um, but it was also widely panned because it was just badly written. Like, I didn't watch it, but the people who did watch it, because, like, a lot of people really liked Avatar Last Airbender, and they were just... Totally just disappointed. Four point three on IMDb, six percent on Rotten. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oof, that's gonna hurt. So, I guess the bigger question here is, when you make a bad movie, <laughs> okay, right? Um, is blaming the audience really the way to go? Like, like M. Night Shyamalan is a, an interesting director because he is one of our our few, you know, quote unquote high profile Asian American directors. Right, he directed. The Sixth Sense, and it all went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, his directing has always been very divisive, right? A lot of people, like, he was, no, was known for the last-minute twist, right? Right. And some might say he, you did know. Did he do uh, Signs? He did Signs. Okay. He also did um, The Village. Okay. Um, uh, what, the one with Paul Giamatti and the fairy and the pool and everyone's a fairy tale character. Okay. That one. He did um, Unbreakable. Okay. And you know, they all had the same theme where it was like, in the last minute, something happens that changes your perception for the entire time. But, you know, other movies started doing that too. And it kind of became a... Kind of like when you're expecting a twist, it's not as exciting as like, oh crap, there's a twist, right? Oh, so he's like a Bruce Willis fan. Unbreakable. Oh, for some reason I mixed up Unbreakable with Limitless. I was like, oh, I work with Bradley Cooper. <sighs> Cameron Crowe worked with Bradley Cooper. Um, so anyway, going back to The Last Airbender, though. So 
continue with your explanation. So it's a bad movie. No, it's an Asian inspired world. And well, that was a separate issue. Like the, the Asian inspired because so, how familiar are you with the Avatar: The Last Airbender animated series? I don't know anything about anime. Sorry, it's not even anime. It's, oh. it's an American series. Okay, that's kind of um, basically it takes place in a world where there's you know people who can control the elements and they you know it's like a big. It's actually for a series geared towards kids. It actually goes well delves into like you know. Um, politics like nations um, resources like war mongering and like family drama things like that okay as all animes are wont to do to you know go get into the more deeper subjects um but basically he was saying that the movie flopped because adults didn't get it like you don't understand what i was doing that's why it flopped okay (laughs) okay but at the same time like so this is coming from my um, experience from, you know, being part of the business, like the, the business side of the inter- entertainment industry. And, you know, when you're in the business industry, there's a little um, tradition every Friday called, um, I forgot what it's called, but basically we bet on who wins the weekend. Okay. Right. Box office? Box office. Okay. Wise. And, you know, if you're making a movie geared towards kids, you have such an advantage Right. Because for every kid's ticket you sell, you, you sell an adult ticket. ticket too. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. kids can't go to movies by themselves. You know, they can't drive themselves. They can't, you know. Unless they used to ride bikes like I did. But that doesn't happen but anymore. But even, like, <laughs> did your parents let you go watch movies by yourselves when you're, like, five or six? Not five, no, yeah. Yeah. So, like, here's a movie based on source material geared towards youth. Right. So, like, you already, like, you can't say adults didn't get it because adults were forced to watch it anyways with their kids. Right. But, you know, in that case, and your movie maybe failed because kids didn't get it either or kids didn't want to see it because <laughs> it looked terrible. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, what? I mean, I guess digging deeper, and it's like, how do you feel about, like, you know, when you do shows, right? When we do shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it doesn't, when it flops or, like, you know. Which we've experienced. Yeah. Full like, disclosure. You know, like, for me, from a producer, from, like, a producer's perspective, I kind of, Take a look at like what, what happened on our end that we could have prevented. Because like you know, you look at it, and you, you, as a producer or as a creator, like we see the flaws clearer than anyone else. And we've talked about this before, but yeah, we see all the flaws. Like in some cases, we can't even enjoy the shows that we put on because we see we all never the flaws, fully enjoy the know? show. No, so yeah, I don't know. that's why any director or any producer that and I've seen it, they make fun of these in shows, but like people who make the project, they're all in the back of the room. In the screening, <laughs> trying not to have a stroke because they're just like, "Oh my god, that's so terrible! Who made that edit? Like, who allowed that? Uh, oh, why, it's so bad! You know, bad de- cut. Yeah, bad oh. decisions, bad decisions. It's it sucks, but I mean, that's also, but that's a byproduct of being the creative. But yeah. here's my thing with the whole M Night Shyamalan, him blaming. Okay, from an artistic perspective, I get that whatever art you're creating is very, is usually very personal. It comes from your creative soul, whatever, your vision and all that stuff. So in part, it is very much part of you and your possession and your yourself, right? It's part of your being. But there's a line, you know, there's a limit to that. Because you know why? The rest of the art, the, I think the beauty of art and the beauty of any medium, not just restricted to film, but literature and paintings and graphic whatever graphic novels music what have you not everyone's gonna enjoy it that's already a given but 
the vast, I think, purpose of art is to express yourself and then to connect with other people. Is that it'll spark something else in somebody who understands you, who gets it, right? I think for something like film, it's storytelling. That's the entire purpose of it. It's like that you're trying to say a story. That you're trying to get the right setting, the right makeup, the right costumes, and the right actors to tell your story. Right music, right editing, blah, blah, blah. If you did not tell your story, it's a very two-way street. It's not strictly on the person who envisioned and created and at whatever. It's it's a very interactive, collaborative process. The audience is part of it. If they didn't get it, then you failed. Well, there's the the thing with this. That's harsh. I'm getting mad. (laughs) The thing with this specific um, occurrence is that like The Martian, and it's interesting that this comes up and this movie in particular like we said, it didn't flop because adults didn't go see it. It flopped probably because its fan base also didn't go see it. Mm-hmm. And a big reason for that was the race spinning, was the Emma Stoning of the cast. Okay. It became such a big narrative. They took over all press about the movie. Objectively, like as you can see by the ratings, the movie sucked anyways. Right. But like, what was unfathomable was that this this IP, this you know, this source material that had such a rabid fan base. People dress up like these characters in conventions. That's what he's. I read the thing. You know? It said he th- yeah. he re- found out about <laughs> it because his daughter was dressed as his yeah. character. Like this was a softball. This is like you can like, like if the casting was just like straight up, right? It would have been a massive hit. Despite it would have been like that's like, part of this the story. This is being mean, like like Twilight. You know, it would have been <laughs> so popular, even though objectively the movie is kind of garbage you know <laughs> again marvin's opinion i wasn't a particularly big fan of twilight either but again i can't even blame everyone blames kristen stewart for being like okay she didn't come up with the lines that are supposed to come out of her mouth okay i'm just saying if i well, was in her I shoes mean, and if those are the lines i have fair, to say half the things coming out of her mouth was just air i know again she's not the director <laughs> So there's only so much. I feel bad for the girl, you know? Like, I agree. It wasn't the yeah. best movie. But it's from my perspective, like, it's not all her fault. So I'm just like, ooh. Well, I mean, it was not just Hugs her. like to Kristen Stewart. You know, all of Robert, Robert Pattinson's, Pattinson's. Um, Pattinson's, you know, lines. Another British actor. But he glitters right? in the sunlight. Okay, but anyway. Disco but- Vamp. That's like, I haven't seen the movie in turn up, But like, but see- the clips that I see, like, people are showing like, oh, look. It's a disco vampire. It's like exactly you bring him out you know to what? the sun. You could every- form a dance party around him. You know, it's a vampire dance party. Ooh. To each their own. There are people out there who really enjoy a disco vampire story, right? There are people who really. I enjoy just don't understand that. why people would re- rather have that than like, you know, like. That's your opinion, though. I don't know. Again, but see, now we're like going to the territory of like, why does everybody like is the mass validation saying that that's real art or whatever? That's true. Let's, let's bring it back. Right. Bring it back in. I get what you're saying. Like, I get it. But like, do you know what I mean? That that opens up a whole other can yeah. of worms. But I'm just saying like, I mean, it's it's interesting from the context of like our whole rant from the, earlier in this show where like, here's a, a very high profile example of how the race, the Emma Stoning of something kind of took over the marketing, kind of tanked a surefire hit. And and I right? don't feel like that's a matter of just... We're not a surefire hit. A surefire money-making It would have been movie. a money-maker, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I heard about the race-bending thing. I didn't... Again, see, and maybe what... And maybe other people are experiencing this too. And if you are, I'd really love to hear your thoughts on this. So please, please email us because maybe I, I don't know if I'm sitting here going crazy. But because of all of that hoopla, I t- completely disengaged. I was like, this is such... I don't even, I don't even want to. Because do you know what I mean? Like, you only have so many... F's to give. Mm-hmm. That seems so just stupidly 
stupid for lack of better words i don't even want to click it well, and open the and outrage or the the occurrence like the, the occurrence event, the yeah. fact that it happened and that people i thought it was a good thing that people are outraged about mm-hmm. that but then again am i going to spend my you know 10 minutes out of my busy day to read up and get angry again because i already know what my reaction is going to be well when we just spent the last 40 minutes getting angry i know so it's, 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 it's poetic justice it's going to come back anyway you know, so and now I'm reading about it. So at the end of the day, I just procrastinated. But mm-hmm. at that time, that was what was going through my head. The funny thing is, like, you're looking at it from a very business standpoint, the marketing standpoint, and that's what killed the box office and t- killed what would have been a surefire. Also killed money. his career. Like, he just barely got like a new gig like this year. Exactly because know? the money. That's because on the money side, this is what just baffles me. But the race thing. That, to me, is part of the story. Casting director's job is to fill those roles with the right people to tell that story. That story was supposed to be Asian-driven and Asian-themed. Then cast For a lot of people, that would be pretty duh. And for me, maybe I'm being like too pie-in-the-sky idealistic artist again. But if you took the right people and filled those character roles... Whether they were huge stars or not, right? Yeah. And I get that's the safe bet because, yes, this person already has 400,000 Twitter followers. Of course, I'll cast them over blah, blah, blah. Unknown well, it's not that like the people – like the primary cast of that movie was not known. Yeah. But like there are other actors there that, you know, of color that attach themselves to this movie. And I can't help but think that it also affected their careers. Dev Patel from Slumdog Millionaire, he was en route to becoming like a big Indian American star. That? Yeah, he was. He played um, Fire Fire Prince. That he played the um, Dante Bosco character uh, from the cartoon. For shame! And M- then um, Asif Manvi is that his M Night Shyamalan? Um, Asif Manvi, like great comedic, you know, comedian. He actor. didn't tell he, his story. He was also he played the villain. You know? They didn't tell the story then. Yeah. That's why it flopped. <laughs> then, if, if they, like you said, if they had chosen the right people for the roles to tell that story, which everybody already loved and were so eager to support, mm-hmm. you didn't tell your story. Again, it kind of just comes back to that. <laughs> and that's what, and it, uh, to me, I think that that's what's going to result in like things being a flop. Maybe it sucks that, like, I don't know. Who knows? I hear that Aloha is pretty bad, but who knows? Maybe having a truly half Asian girl in Emma Stone's character would have added a dimension and authenticity that you wouldn't have gotten with, I'm sorry, I love Emma Stone, but if it was her instead of her, you know, realis- realistically probably would have added like, you know, we would have, I would applaud it. We would have watched it out of rep sweats. Yeah. Right? We would have been like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> Even though like, we would have like, Oh man, I can't believe, like you should have said no to this part. Yeah. This movie's terrible. Yeah. You know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. We'll never know. Mm. We will never know. But on the M night Shyamalan thing at the end of the day, he didn't tell the story. So if he's blaming the audience, I mean, the audience is part of, they're the receivers and they're the interpreters of your story. Yeah. And for something that has been established already before you ever walked into the picture to make this yeah. into a film, and that story has already been established and you're just saying that no one got your interpretation of it. Sorry, bro, but I call BS. I say BS. Yeah. And and then the public kind of, the, the public and then the numbers spoke for itself. Yeah. You know, I don't especially when you're dealing with like yeah, we were talking about a rabid fan base who like love the characters already. And then like, what you do to like you no know, happened with um, Fifty Shades of Grey like and like you know like people were I don't know I heard there was some up in arms about the casting. Well, books yeah. yeah obviously and I I read the first book because I wanted to support I was intri- I was just full disclosure I was intrigued by the topic I was like wow this is really great that um, this this female author is going somewhere 
that she could she knows that she would probably get crucified for from a lot of very conservative people and but taking a subject that i think a lot of i i wish more women and men would be empowered to like be conversing about in adult life she wrote this book and so i read the book and i was like oh my god this <laughs> But then when they turn it into a movie, again, like you never know what someone else's interpretation of something might turn it into gold. But yeah, when I saw the casting, I was like, that's not how I saw it in my head either. Yeah. But in any case, you know, to each their own. That's that's. But then it's different when it's like and the part of Minji Chang goes to Emma Stone. Stone. (laughs) (laughs) Which I would like, honestly, if you were to be Emma Stone, who would you want Emma Stone? You That's my question. I don't know. Rachel McAdams. She's too. She's older, even though she doesn't. Yeah, Peppy. Maybe uh, who's the one that plays her sister? Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher's awesome. Mm. They're all older than her, though. Oh. But I would be if 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 I had ever had a biopic. I freaking love Emma Stone, and if she played my character, there would be a small part of me that'd be like, yes, that's awesome. But no, it would not be accurate. No, because Emma Stone doesn't know what it's like to be a tiny. Not Minji Chang. She be should not be a tiny little Korean girl who's talks too much and blah blah blah. But um. Yeah. Shyamalan. I would be Chris Hemsworth. Oh, Chris Hemsworth would play me. That's accurate, I think. Who? Chris Hemsworth? Yeah. Obvi. Yeah. Hashtag obvious. I'm Australian. I just don't... Might. Really... That's my new name. Um, What's an Australian name? Chaz... Dundee. <laughs> Chaz... Moving on to the next email. <laughs> Our last email comes from Rira from Los Angeles. What's up, Rira? She wants to know about our personalities. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me pull it up real quick. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Hi, Marvin and Minji. But I'm so introverted. Love the podcast. That's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> we love you, Rira. Love the podcast. I'm always listening to it during my Thursday morning commutes. I thought you two would enjoy the psychology test that might help you learn more about your personalities. There are eight questions to this test, and I've included explanations for each answer. Do not look at the explanations till everyone has answered the final question. Have fun. Are you ready for this? Oh, my God. Ready to bear your soul to our listeners out there? Let's do this. All right. Question number one. You're about to embark on a long journey, and you have no idea if, you, if or when you'll return. What animal do you bring to accompany you and why? Oh, so this is like, a, there's, it's not a multiple choice. No. Okay. This ain't no SAT. This is life. This is life. <laughs> um, what animal do I choose to accompany me? Yeah, for like a long journey. What animal? First one that came to mind was a dog. A dog? Yeah. I'm sure that there are more, maybe like a horse. <laughs> horse because i'll get tired dog for company because i i'm super social mm. i can be fine by myself actually for long periods of time but um i think i would just keep my spirits up mm. and i think it would if i'm tired or just not as attentive as i ought to be i think dogs are very helpful in being guard dogs and bringing oh. awareness to potential danger right yeah Companion and what security. 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 Dog would be nice. Yeah. Maybe like a fox. Domesticated fox. Have you seen domesticated foxes? They are so cute. So Why cute. would you bring a fox though? I'm just, I'm just going through my options. I'll probably bring like... 
a red raccoon. Those are cute. A sloth. <laughs> <laughs> Dead weight, literally. Um, maybe like a mini horse or like a donkey. Little Sebastian. Maybe a donkey, like beast of burden. Well, no, like to carry stuff or mm-hmm. for you to ride it. Um, maybe more to carrying stuff from a companion. Like donkeys are pretty cute. They are they're, pretty they're cute. They're super like stubborn and like I'm sure we'll have lots of fun adventures together. Are you like thinking of Shrek because he's not going to talk with you and talk about parfaits and stuff? Not Shrek. Actually, Shrek a Shrek donkey might actually mm, a Shrek donkey with the voice of someone less annoying. Not Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Cool. What's the explanation? What? So she. No, we have to wait till the end. Oh, and then she's like, oh, mm. awesome. Or maybe, oh, that's so nice too. <laughs> mm. I thought of a horse just for like, yeah, for riding yeah, purposes. Like, I heard, well, you know, people have eaten horse. I am Korean, but I don't ever want to eat a dog. Just mm. too many emotional things. I've actually eaten horse before. I have not eaten horse. I'm just saying like volume wise. Mm. It's a lot of horse. <laughs> In case you, that could be, in case you need to kill your animal companion. Shut up. No, this no. is your buddy. This is like your buddy that you bring with you. Yeah, bring a dog then. Yeah. I think, mm, probably donkey. Okay. Yeah. Someone can help me carry some stuff. You are so like, Eeyore. You're really like attached to this whole thing. Or llama. Mm. Llamas are cool. Actually, llamas spit a lot. Right. I didn't that know that. Be, I thought mm. that was camels. Oh, camels might be nice too. Camels hump. No, I think, thinking, see, I think everything it goes back to food. I think practical, probably. I don't know, but and a dog, like cool. a good sized dog, could also like maybe not kill for you. I don't, but like uh, they could attack. That's true. And it's an assistant, <laughs> my teammate. <laughs> okay, number two. During your journey, you come across some kind of architectural structure. Must be something with both an exterior and interior, such as a house, cave, skyscraper, tent, coliseum, etc. What does the exterior of this structure look like? I don't know why, but I just, okay, I'm going by what came to mind first for when I heard the, the question asked. I thought of that building from uh, Men in Black. Like the nondescript office building? Yeah, the nondescript, like really big, smooth, like you just don't, it, it looks. With like the elevator to Alien World? Yeah, like the inside is crazy, but like on the outside it looks super just like austere mm. and formal and intimidating. Not because it has like all these things like. You know, it's not like it doesn't look like a fortress in terms of like it has all this crazy crap like shooting out of it. Mm-hmm. It's just smooth and plain and minimal windows. Oh, that's that's why. Interesting. Maybe this is like symbolic of what scares you. Maybe I'm think I just thought of like I don't know. Maybe I have like Mad Max in my mind, like some like <laughs> pyramid or some sort of like old like Ooh. ruins or something. The second thing that came to my mind was like a medieval castle structure. Well, castle, yeah, with with like an actual fortress. That's that kinda, was yeah. second. I kind of thought more like a like a um, like a Greek like pantheon type thing. I don't know. With like oh. guards, like bows and arrows. No, not guards. Just like you know, just out there. You know. Okay. I'm imagining myself backpacking through Europe, apparently, with a, with my donkey friend. <laughs> with, with my donkey friend. <laughs> um. You go inside the structure, describe what you see. Okay, so you describe the nondescript. Yeah. Like I don't the know why. old man with the newspaper. Like Again, it's too. Uh, my brain works maybe in like, it's like a dichotomy, but one is like, yeah, very modern and sleek and like very silent and very hollow. And mm. like, but then there's all sorts of crazy shit out there, but like you don't know it yet. See, my, my, my 
Greek pantheon type thing would have like a market inside, like a farmer's market or some sort of like so bazaar. I'm learning so much about you. Yeah, mine's like, like very, very intimidating and very mm. like, very <laughs> sterile and... I haven't read the answer. So I have no idea where we're. Yeah. Like, maybe but the other one. Maybe I'm a, crazy. I don't but know. In, but in the castle, no, I don't think you're crazy. In the castle, it's more. Yeah, it's kind of like you. There's like a lot of things going on. Yeah, I'm like, like, like wheelbarrows sort of like and crap market. Like mm, merchants, not dollies. Not we're not like ancient times. We're not actually in the post. Well, you could be in ancient times. We're in like modern day. Like oh look, we're repurposing this ancient ruin as a farmer's market <laughs> because <laughs> oh it's God. you know. Maybe it's just I'm just waiting. We take stir. euros and dollars. They sell stuff in mason jars, they have little terrariums. It's kinda of like that. So you're turning a, a pantheon into Silver Lake? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> or the mission from San Francisco? I gotta type. What can I say? Or Brooklyn. <laughs> um, inside you find a table. What does the table look like and how many chairs are present? Hmm. I'm thinking boardroom. Uh-huh. Like long boardroom table. How many chairs? Between 15 to 20. Wow, that's a big boardroom. It's a big, yeah, it's like a big yeah. table. Okay. Well, since we're going on this path of like hipster like paradise be, for I me. I would like, like it to be oval. Oval? Like a, like, like oblong, oblong. Right? Yeah, like, elliptical, yeah. an ellipse. Okay. Mine would probably be some sort of like dining table, kind of like a nice little round, like maybe six chairs around it. Where okay. people will bring me beers and artisanal cheeses that I order. <laughs> Do you want some prosciutto with that? Ooh, that'd be great. I <laughs> love grapes? prosciutto. It's a salami too, maybe. So I'm like, I want to be where you are. Why does mine sound so scary? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Well, apparently I'm going on an adventure and you're going to work. Apparently. <laughs> okay. All right. Number yeah. five. Yeah. I'm picturing like really <laughs> nice, like really plush ergonomic chairs <laughs> like herman miller like with like back support so you don't like yeah for lumbar back. support yeah and 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 adjustable seating so that your feet can rest comfortably <laughs> on the floor because my legs are really short and sometimes i dangle you should be just the hr rep <laughs> like me that's just your calling i don't know <laughs> this is really fun <laughs> all right number five you leave the structure and resume traveling you come across a cave it's pitch black inside, but oh luckily God, I'm already having you're prepared and have packed, you're, you're prepared and have packed candles for your trip. How many candles do you possess? Shoot. See, this is where I would have none because I don't <laughs> candles. So Marvin's screwed, but I have three candles. Well, I, I, I would have a flashlight, to be honest. Yeah. The ultimate candle. I would get what's the what's the thing from the Avengers? One of the stones. All right. So, but okay. <laughs> assuming we prepared and packed candles, I'd probably have like a box, one of those boxes. Yeah. Of small candles, or like maybe a pack, maybe like a three pack of like those long. That's what I was thinking. Candles. I don't know why, yeah. but the number three came to mind. Yeah. I would have three. Candles. We both have three candles. Okay. Question number six: You're about to enter the cave. How many candles do you light at a time? One. One. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Duh. Number seven. Hello. As you wander inside the cave, you come across a wall. How do you get to the other side? In the cave, you come across a wall. Mm-hmm. How do you get to the other side? Walk around it. Walk around it. But like, would you be able to go under and over it? If it wasn't that high, I would go over it. I'm, I'm, I, 
I used to climb. <laughs> um, I'm scared of going under it just because I would be scared of like going down and falling and not being able to stop. Like 140 hours, like God, James ew. Franco. I watched The Abyss, not The Abyss. Um, the Descent. The Descent. Oh, with like Blech. the. <laughs> Why would you watch that? You. I didn't like. I didn't want to watch it. I was dating. You're, you're, a, you're anti-scary movie. I am anti-scary movie, but that's what you do when you think you love someone. <laughs> oh, watch scary movies. Yeah, I dated someone who was like really into zombie movies in particular. And zombie I movies can be fun. No, there was that particular era where they were all the rage and every other week there was like some new zombie movie. So I watched a bunch of them and I, whatever. But zombie movies are interesting because, this is a tangent, but in zombie movies, the enemy isn't the zombies. It's humanity. Dun, dun, right? dun. Because in the end, the greatest monsters are ourselves. You're Anyways, a I would probably walk along the wall until I find the opening and get to the other side. Um, Ditto. You would, would climb over it? If I could. If I could see that there. I would like mm. see if I could climb over it and it's not too high because I am afraid of heights and I would not want to fall. Right. But if it, I would, yeah, most likely first first move would be feel along, see if I can go around it. Yeah. But I think I use my, my size to my advantage because I would... See if there's some way to like wedge through. Mm. I think that changes how people attack certain things. Right. Because you're, you're, you're reading too much into this. We, it's supposed to tell us what we think. Your face is reading too much into this. Because I'm thinking going. if I was a like, juggernaut, I could just bust through it too. Like the Hulk, Hulk style. The Hulk. But anyway, okay. Number eight. You're on the other side of the wall. What do you see? Light. Like an escape? Mm-hmm. The other side where I, I don't, don't know. need the The first thing anymore. I thought of was like an indoor waterfall. Or something Ooh. like some indoor like now i'm picturing like, like the goonies yeah like that that's why it was actually a well mm-hmm. yeah you see light i like would see exit. light okay all right that was all the questions Let's see the explanations all right number one the animal companion you choose represents the type of spouse you want huh <laughs> <laughs> so, i thought of mine first and i thought of yours and i started laughing what what is the docu- so someone that works really hard uh, probably someone who's like super stubborn, but like will still put up with my crap. I guess <laughs> I like that. And then you want a dog that can like, companion. I guess dogs loyal companion yeah. also will kill for you. So yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> Number two, the exterior of the structure represents how the public views you. So oh, wow. you are a <laughs> nondescript skyscraper, and I am some sort of desert ruin. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, the interior of structure represents how you view yourself. So I don't look at myself as you're super corporate. No, I'm not. Apparently, no. I think the according sec- to the highly accurate personality test we're taking right now. Yeah, no. I think the second thing, the whole medieval marketplace thing, that's much more. Well, that's obviously me. That is me too. That's me. Hustle and bustle, baby. Okay. Um, you you want to be me, but I am me. I'm not. Uh-huh. Say, mine was not yours. It was my version of mine. <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, the table represents what kind of family you wish you have, and the chairs represent the number of people you want to have in your family, including yourself. Cool. So I want a gigantic. Yes, that's true. I've wanted a gigantic family. Thinking elliptical because it is like circular. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the shape. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking pra- pragmatically, like to have a circle table that big mm. would take up too much space. That's true. You want to be the head of the table of your family of corporate minions. 
No, what? But what's the head of an ellip? An ellipse. I mean, there's a there's a there's a less white side than the white side. Right? I feel so like you the head be... of the white side is more visible. Mm. Anyway. Anyways. That's the kind of family I want to have. And I am a family that eats like artisanal cheeses and prosciutto around yes, the table. That's cute. Theater. That's cute. I do look at family Don't units. Don't you dare as... bring that processed American cheese in here. <laughs> Out of the family. Craft singles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you Velveeta. <laughs> no, I want to. I, I do want to. I think that families that all bring something to the table and like are strong in their own way. I think that's why I thought of like a boardroom. Yeah. Okay. Um, the number of candles represents the number of people you're willing to date. Total at the same time? At the same time. Um, I guess maybe. Let's say at the same time. Three? Maybe. That's a headache. Yeah, that's a lot actually. No. Two is even like kind of a lot for me to handle. No. But then I kind of, the type of goes all in on one. It's so, exactly, yeah. it's exhausting. Three? Maybe okay. it's like total, which. Please clarify, Rira, because <laughs> I don't get it. Um... But this is fine. Yeah, if it's if it's three, then we were we're both way over our quota. <laughs> um, number of candles you light at this at the time represents how many people you're willing to oh date simultaneously. So one, yeah, that makes sense. Huh? The number of candles you light <laughs> okay. uh, represent how many people you are willing to date simultaneously. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I agree with that. Also, with everything else, I don't know about my. Spouse being a donkey. I don't look like a formidable, impenetrable, (laughs) obscure structure. You're having an existential crisis right now. Yeah, I am. (laughs) Well, I also thought of a medieval castle, so what does that mean? How you choose to get on the other side of the wall represents how you prefer to tackle obstacles in life. Walk around it, I guess. I I said I would find any means. Oh. Which is true. It's true. I do try to avoid conflict, even though like I walk into every day in the office. Yep. And I force you to deal with it. Um, number eight. The other side of the wall represents what you envision the afterlife to look like. Light. Goonies waterfall. Goonies waterfall. Swimming Eternal in coins. Eternal With Troy at the very top. <laughs> <laughs> screaming down at you. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> I need to rewatch the Goonies. I haven't seen it. It's I have long, it. You can watch long. it. That was really fun. Well, that was fun. Thanks, Vera. Um, And for the rest of you, if you have any deep questions like the one Lauren sent us or fun questions like the one Rira sent us we'd love to answer them read them and um, share their answers with you that was so. a nice balance to like all the anger <laughs> maybe it is true how I come up yeah okay for the record and Marvin you can you can support or refute but you better support um I'm a very approachable person <laughs> I don't like that I'm I agree like- with everything Minji says <laughs> If you'd like to send us an email, um, the, uh, the email address is podcast at collaboration.org. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And also, Minji's always right. <laughs> I acknowledge when I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I'm very <laughs> opinionated, but I'm not a psychopath. Um, yeah, and so um, that's about yeah, that's about a podcast right there. That was uh, that was actually pretty fun. You know, a lot of ang- <laughs> little a little bit of anger, a little bit of fun. That was bit actually of, good. That was actually pretty good, guys. I don't say that for all our podcasts, but this time, things actually, no, we have, uh, we have fun here. Um, some quick collaboration updates. Collaboration Dallas has announced their auditions. Yeah, Dallas. Check out their Facebook page and also um, you know, check out the auditions link at collaboration.org. They 
online applications are due on June 16th, so that's in a week. So Dallas, get your auditions in. Collaboration Houston's having a, another food truck park event this Friday, or next Friday, June 19th, 7 p.m. at Suns Club, Inc. Get your food truck on, eat some delicious food. Hopefully around the round table, share some artisanal cheeses with each other, some nice, you know. Was your table round? Food. I said round. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm equal. I'm all about equality. Also, you know, round seats can't that can fit more people. Maybe it lifts easy because there's two kind of heads. I say parents are still parents. <laughs> Children, you do not run this family. <laughs> You're still thinking about it. I am. I'm kind of over it. It's like, so, well, <laughs> fine. <'Cause, laughs> because I'm... I'm, You're an office I'm, building. I'm a hall of You're an sterile. office building. That is so not true. Collaboration. <laughs> Minchi's always right, guys. So I was I, like, I, if I, that, I, was like that. I would think it's like the inside of like of of a of like booty LA, like a <laughs> crazy dance party. I just imagine Reba listening to this on her way to work and just laughing at on your answers as you, as you're like saying them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not though. Um, <laughs> Collaboration DC is having their um, an open mic night Saturday, June twenty seventh at the Board and Brew at in College Park, eighty one fifty College Park, Maryland, which is actually where I used to live when I went to school there. Aww. The same exact building. So I'm trying to figure out where it could be because I don't think Looney's closed now. But anyways, come out to College Park on that night and check out some awesome local DC talent. And of course, Collaboration LA. Uh, our 2015 showcase is also happening that night, Saturday, June 27th, at the LA Theater Center in downtown LA. Tickets on sale now. Check out uh, Collaboration LA Facebook page and also Collaboration.org for more details on how to get your tickets. Um, any other any other announcements or anything? You are all beautiful and special and creative and artistic and awesome. So you go enjoy your week and share your magic with the world. Minji's always right, guys. And that's the collabcast. Now you're mocking me. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Disco guy, excuse me, I heard bang bang, I heard shots. The mean barge in the interrupt your workshop. Without you, the show stops. I heard you're thirsty, so I got you a cold pot. Hey, girl, hit me with your voodoo. Choreos, I watch the beat.